0: Aren't you glad for that name? Amen. Aren't you glad for the cross? Aren't you glad for hope? Uh, we praise the Lord. Well, we're delighted this morning to introduce our guest preacher uh, who's already preached for us earlier. And uh, we welcome to Camden, I believe for the first time, Brother John, Dr. John Heading, who is the full time State Director of Ohio Disaster Relief for our convention. Uh, John is here today with his wife of 38 years Stephanie we welcome you as well and she also coordinates what's called Ohio Baptist Messenger and uh, we're grateful for her work with our state convention they have four kids four grandchildren number five is on the way and their oldest son is a senior pastor in Kentucky the rest of their kids and spouses look like they're school teachers so we're grateful for them here's what I love about John heading being here today he pastored for 37 years Uh, The last 17, he was the pastor at Beaver Creek Baptist Church. That's where I got to know him and meet him for the first time. He was also involved in disaster relief for 25 years prior to taking it over. So we're grateful for his leadership. And let me just ask this before we even begin. If you've ever served with disaster relief, I want you to stand up. Okay, I know Roy and Kathy have. Dick, God bless you. Dick? Dick McKee uh, told me outside it was kind of one of the earliest uh, deployments, and uh, we're grateful. So let's let's welcome the the headings today. Welcome John to the pulpit, and thank God for these that serve.
1: Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the warm welcome. We've had a a good good day so far. Um, If you have a Bible, Matthew chapter nine, we'll get to that in a few moments. But I will tell you right now, Pastor, um, if I lived close, I'd have to go here. Cause I saw what Miss Myrna does over there. I'm telling you, man, we need to, every church has a couple of little ladies who they cook, and it's like wow. And the rest of us cook, and we hide it. You know, we had one at the last church, uh, Miss Ida, um, so we enjoy that very much. Appreciate it, uh, getting to know them just a little bit. So let's talk a little bit before we get into the Matthew 9. Just a little bit about disaster relief, and then a little bit later, I'll show you a few pictures. Um, so relief, Southern Baptist Disaster relief has been around since uh, 1966. Started in Texas with Texas Baptist men and a group called Royal Ambassadors. And they grew up in RAs, GA kind of stuff. All right, so a hurricane hit Texas, and um, Texas Baptist men and some RAs got together and did some things. And so that's officially where Southern Baptist Disaster Reef started. And we borrowed something from Royal Ambassadors just to acknowledge their involvement at the very beginning, and that's our colors. This is officially gold and blue. We've redeemed those colors from Michigan, and now we serve the Lord with them. Oh, come on. All right. Couldn't help it. Um, so Ohio disaster, actually started in 1986, and our very first unit was a feeding unit, and we had the opportunity to start serving and being involved. Since then, it's come a long way. Uh, Last year, 2022, was the busiest year ever for Ohio Disaster Relief. We deployed 20 times last year. It was just an unbelievable year, 20 times, uh, hurricanes, flooding in Kentucky, um, forest fires in Colorado, uh, some other kinds of things. Um, There are a lot of stories I can tell you, and I know uh, you made one mistake, Pastor, and told me that we don't have that much of a time constraint in this service. So I can tell you a few more stories. Let me tell you one story about disaster relief that no one knows. And we don't hide things, but we also aren't out there just trying to let everybody know everything that we're doing. So you all remember uh, 9-11. 9-11 happened as it was happening. FAA closed all the airspace. No flights. Lots of things shut down. However, in New York City, a phone call was placed to Oklahoma Disaster Relief. And they said, we need chaplains in New York City. And so the FAA approved one flight plan of a private plane out of Oklahoma City to New York City with Southern Baptist disaster chaplains on it. And their role was to get there and to serve in any way they can. So when they got on the land, they they landed, they were taken, and they said, where would you like to be? And the chaplain said, we want to be at the morgue. And so took them to the morgue and... From that day until they stopped digging in the hole, there was a Southern Baptist chaplain on duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week for months. And their job was to pray with anybody they could pray with. They had free access to the hole. They prayed with firemen and recovery people and construction people and FEMA people and government people and state people. But every single body part that came out of that hole was prayed over by a chaplain from the Southern Baptist Convention. And the director at the time, he said, of all, every, every body bag they prayed for, only three were complete bodies. Everything else were body parts. So we talk about the role of disaster relief or our chaplains, or our volunteers. Um, it's no joke. We get a chance to do some things that only God can open these doors for us to do. There's just one example of things that most folks don't know about. You're not going to really see us on the news. Uh, You're going to see the Salvation Army all over the news. You see the Salvation Army handing out food? You ever see that? We cooked it. Not them. Salvation Army doesn't cook. We do. But we don't deliver. They do. That's our partnership. The good thing about that partnership is they also pay for the food. So I'm okay with that. Uh, and we cook. And we're happy just to serve in the shadows and do what we do and really not worry about. Uh, God provides for what we need. Let me let you know a couple of things. A lot of people like to know the other side that a lot of people don't know. So disaster relief, how are we funded? Uh, many ways we're funded by the cooperative program. So as your church gives to the cooperative program, as you give your tithes and offerings, a certain percentage of that goes, a certain percentage of that helps to fund us. So cooperative program and the state convention budget, we have $10,000 out of the cooperative program. This year, for the first time, uh, we received half of the state missions offering. So by the time that the total state missions offering last I saw was like 165 uh, that would have us getting about 82 uh, with about $30,000 and some admin stuff that we're responsible, so we'd get about $50,000 from that. You think $60,000, that's pretty good. Last year, I spent $180,000 in disaster relief. And... We paid for all of it. Now, here's how that happened. There were roughly 39 churches in Ohio that gave directly to Southern Baptist Disaster Leaf in Ohio. Directly on our website, we want to give. We want to support, whether it's international missions or stuff you do in general. They gave directly about 39 churches, and that accounted for about $44,000. We have individuals just like you all that just give. Uh, some people just give regularly. I have, there's one small church pastor up in Akron and uh, they got a new pastor, a little church, uh, inner city. Uh, no, this one's was, this was in Youngstown. It wasn't the Akron one. And they are giving fit, like $51 a month, $49 a month. The pastor said, you know, these little old ladies won't let me take this out of the budget. You need to come up here and explain to me why. So we went up on a Sunday, and I preached Sunday morning. Afterwards, he said, okay, I get it. Not a problem. So every month, the church gives like $47.22 or $51.35. So there's a percentage in there somewhere that they do. It, it takes everybody to do what we do. Uh, so we have that. The other thing that we, we get a, a part of, you're going to see this in the, the newspaper and the messenger coming up. If you don't get the messenger, uh, it's a digital thing. Uh, you can sign up. If you go to scbo.org connect, and we can get that out to you all and put your email address in there, you will get updates of what's happening in the state convention of Baptists, And you'll see in the messenger, our, our newspaper, uh, that Stephanie is a coordinator, managing editor for that. And you'll see all kinds of things that are happening around uh, that's going on in the state. But one of the things people don't know about is have you ever shopped at Lowe's or Home Depot? I know there's not one real close here, but I, I looked them up just a little bit. Uh, there is a program that Lowe's and Home Depot have with Southern Baptist Disaster League nationwide that if you go through the process, and register your card, your visa card or debit card that you buy, then any time you use that card at Home Depot or Lowe's, Disaster Relief automatically gets 5% right off the top. It doesn't change your bill at all. It's just a straight-out donation. There's also a program with Home Depot, Pastor, that when you sign up on a pro account with a credit card, that the church gets all kinds of discounts. So 20% off paint right off the top, paint and stains, if you're doing a big project, you get uh, volume pricing a lot. Now, I don't work for Home Depot, but this year in 2022, February of 2022, Southern Baptist has actually got a check for $265,000 from Home Depot because of those credit cards that people are buying stuff at Home Depot. Lowe's, we got about, um, I think, 12000 because we don't have as many cards with Lowe's. With them, so we're going to want a campaign this year to register people, credit cards, and debit cards. It's a secure thing. That way, anytime you use that card, and so what that money does, it's divided it into development and deployment. So those 20 deployments we had last year, I was able to take all the receipts from the team leader, do what I got to do, turn them in, and as long as there's money in the fund, we get reimbursed for every dollar we spent. So for all 20 deployments, or most of the 20 deployments, we got back exactly what we spent when we turned in receipts. God provides. When we need something, I'll show you a unit we just purchased last year, a $60,000 unit that we've wanted. I got a grant from the North American Mission Board for $40,000. It came from the cooperative program, which means who bought the QRU for us? That's how the cooperative program works, that we cooperate together. It all goes into a fund. And goes from there. So that's just a little bit to get us started. And I forgot to mention really too much in the first service about uh, people who want to train. Um, so if you want to train in disaster relief, this is not intended today to be a, you all do DR, but if you want to, we won't turn you away. Um, they want to know, how does this work? If you decide, I want to be involved, step one is an online process. It's a $40 registration fee. It'll get your background check, your ID badge. There's some online training that you do. It takes about four hours. There's an online test. It's not I want everybody to pass. It's not that hard. So once you do that and you get certified, then you need to train. We have a card out there with uh, all of our trainings for this year. We have seven scheduled for this year, most we've ever had. I think the closest one for you all is going to be at uh, First Light in Vandalia. However, let's say you have six people that want to train in food service. We'll come to a food service training right here just for those six. But what that means is if you're training in food service and you need to be involved in your own church and helping with the food ministry, um, we use our skills not just to go, but to also use in your own community. So we'll get to the rest in just a minute. But that's just a little bit up front, at kind of who we are and what we do. So let's look at in Matthew chapter 9. There's a section of Scripture here that we've always looked at a number of times. We're going to look at it just a little differently. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes people bug me. Not you all. You're like the blessed folks. You haven't bugged me yet, but I've probably bugged you already. I know this morning uh, I got up early. It's only about an hour drive for us here today, but I didn't want to fix breakfast, so I ran to McDonald's to get a couple of sandwiches, and then on the way back to the house, McDonald's is only two miles from our condo. I come to get into the turn lane, and in the left-hand turn lane comes a car at me coming up, the, and I'm initially thinking, what's wrong with this person you know, I, and I went, wait, I had to catch myself. And I heard God in my voice saying, aren't you preaching on this today? Oh, my gosh. You ever happened to you? Sometimes people just bug us. You know, we get to that point. Uh, some of us love to mess with people. You love to poke the bear. Anybody like to poke the bear? Don't poke the bear right now. It's okay. We get to that way sometimes. And here's the problem. When we look at Scripture... We look at what God has put us here to do to have this relationship with him. A big part of what we're here to do is to have a compassion and an interest in people. And it's hard to do if we're in that phase that they just bug us. It means we need to have a a better perspective on what God has here for us to do. And I think we're going to be able to get some of that today, I'm hoping. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. I'm going to read that if you would follow along. Then we're going to walk through this passage just for a little bit. He says, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Then he saw the crowds. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest and send out workers into his harvest. Let's take just a minute and pray. Our Father, God, as we come before you this morning, we, we look at your word, and I pray, God, your spirit would help us to understand. Pray, God, that we would let you speak to us, that we would drop our guard today, that we would trust you in your words. Father, help us today have the right eyes to see what you want us to see. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So verse 35 tells us what was Jesus' ministry, the threefold ministry here. So when we look at this scripture, it says he was going all around, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news, and healing every disease and every sickness. Those three things, that's what Jesus was about. He was preaching, he was teaching, and he was healing. And what's so amazing about that is Jesus did not have a light show. You know what I mean? It's okay if you have a light show. But I think sometimes we try to get so clever... We try to get so, uh, what we want to call relevant, that we might be able to attract a crowd. But if it's not about the good news of Jesus, we are wasting our time. Then we are just a show. Jesus is there, I love this middle part, preaching the good news. As pastors, we can't help it sometimes. Sometimes we'll see kind of the new stuff coming through, and this is what everybody's doing, or you see a church that's like growing game and if I just do what they're doing, and we miss the understanding that they're growing because God is doing that. Our job is to share. Whether someone comes to faith in Christ or not is not up to me if I have done my part. And when you're looking at this, we want to kind of, I want to give you a picture here of what's going on. I want you to put your, yourself with Jesus. So if you look at the beginning of chapter 9, this is what's happening. First of all, we see that he healed the paralytic in the first eight verses. Next we find 9 through 12, he called Matthew. 14 through 17, he was teaching on fasting. Verses 18 to 26, he healed a woman, he raised a girl to life. Verse 27 to 31, he healed the blind. Verse 32 to 34, driving out a demon. Those were some busy days. And I think this happened in more than one day because of the transitions in verse 9 and verse 27 because verse 9 says, as Jesus went on from there. Keep in mind, he's not taking an Uber. They're walking. So to me, it looks like this happened here and then they left there and went somewhere else. And there was a period of time that this was going on. At verse 35, though, it says Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages. You're not going to do that in a day. So put yourself with Jesus. You're with him. He's preaching. He's teaching. You're there. Things are happening. People are getting healed. So then what happens? More people start coming. More demands put on what's happening. (laughs) It's like they just come out of the woodwork. Uh, Disasterly, if we were in Naples, Florida. And one of my jobs that week, uh, we had some more people down there, but my job was a logistics officer for the site. And so we were getting ready to shut the site down, so I had to offload the stuff that we did not use. We had nine tractor trailers. Um, there were four food trailers, semis, reefers, and refrigerators, and then we had four dry boxes and then uh, semis, 50-foot trailers, and then another trailer that just is a 53-foot trailer full of ice. And what we didn't use, we had to offload And so what I needed to do through uh, our connections was to find agencies that are distributing food to give this food to for them to use. Well, the word went out, and it went out to a particular church. And they showed up like locusts, just in droves. And it's interesting that you ever had somebody come to the food bank and give a different name because they can come more... We used to have that all the time. They, they said, well, I, I'm, I've seen you're here 20 minutes ago. And they, they just came in like crazy. And after a while, it was like, how much more can I give you? And that's the part that they started to bug me. And I had to go back and just on a little break, I said, okay, God, what am I going to do with this church? And and I just felt like he's, God says, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. So I finally, we had like 30, 40, pallets of food, you know, $60,000, $80,000 of the food. So finally I said, okay, I'm going to put all these pallets in here. It's yours. Take it. The rest is for somebody else. We can be in the middle of helping people, giving them food, and still feel like this bugs me. We have to be reminded as we do, there has to be a compassion for those who serve. They, and, and it's not up to me. God will take care of what needs to be done yourself, though, you're with Jesus. Do you think he would have the same kind of demands? More people show up. More people want more things. Heal this person. Heal this person. Can you do this? Can you do that? And over and over, the demands, the demands, demands. And you're with him. But he keeps on going. And what happens? Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion. He felt compassion. And many times in our humanity, when we start to be bugged, We need to learn how to have the compassion of Christ when we see people. How do I do this? But he had compassion on them. This word compassion has two meanings in the Gospels. This specific word is used about a dozen times or so, and it means to feel deep sympathy, really deep sympathy for people. When Paul uses it and John uses it in 1 John, it means... um, to have the bowels yearn. Now, I'm not growling like you're hungry, like during the invitation. Oh, come on. Am I the only one that doesn't get hungry during the invitation? All right, all right, let's get real. So we look at this. It means you have such compassion for them that it just gets you right here. It just what can we do? You see people. When we see people, and we get annoyed by them, Jesus wants to teach us how to see people and have compassion for them because what they need is not the food they ask for. What they need is Jesus. So when we're doing ministry, it's not for the sake of doing ministry. We live by the motto sometimes when you hear, Jesus is coming soon, look busy. Right? We think that because the church is doing a lot of things, we're being spiritual. No, you might just be doing a lot of things. It's got to be about the gospel. We have compassion on folks. We want this year because what they need is the gospel. Now they're hungry. They need food. They're lost. They're, they're addicted. They need help from their addiction. They have marital problems. They need help because the answer to all those things is going to be Christ and Christ's people. We need to learn to have. The compassion of Christ. The reason for his compassion is because the scripture says they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He's criticizing the religious leaders. Now, their job was to teach them to follow the law. That was their job. The problem was they were missing the relationship. And we as believers today can be just as guilty of, of doing and fulfilling the things that God tells us to do and feeling like I've done my duty, but yet we're missing the relationship. And there is a huge relationship we need to have with Jesus and with people. No one was feeding the sheep. So here was the response. He says, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of harvest to seek out workers into his harvest. I don't necessarily think this is the scripture that we use to fill committees. You know what I mean? This is about seeing the need and going into the harvest field. But it's more than that. If we're to look at the therefore, my wife knows I love therefores when I preach because there's a reason it's there and you got to go back. So there's two parts to this. Let me read it as it's two parts. Because the harvest is abundant and the workers are few, what is the action we're supposed to take? Somebody help me. Pray. Anybody ever been on a nominating committee before? Anybody want to admit to that? God bless you all. Yes. So many times it turns into kind of guilting people, the filling those spots. It's like you are going to do this again, right? And I don't know if they're talking to you about anything. It's not that time of year. But I've, I've always, as a pastor, there are certain things that have to be filled, but I like open spots on committees and places and ministries because when people come into the church and say, this is the church I want to be a part of, how can I help? If you tell them, we got it covered, we don't need you. It's, yeah, come on in. Let's work together. Before we do what's next, he says, pray. We have to do that in disaster relief. Uh, we've, we've started praying, say, God, we need volunteers. In Ohio disaster relief in 2022, 71 people retired from DR. Because they're older, they can't do it anymore. The physical demands, they can't keep up. But we trained 92. That also was a record. So we have right now a total of 285 volunteers in disaster relief, which I think is pretty good. Tennessee has 4,000 volunteers. Kentucky has 3,200 volunteers. But here's the deal. I'm not in competition with Kentucky. I'm not competing with North Carolina DR that last January trained 1,400 people in DR in one day. I'm not competing with that. You know why? Because God has given us a mission to do, and he'll give us what we need. And if all we need is 285, then we'll take 285. If we need 600, then he'll give us 600. Because what we do, we go to bring help, but we bring help so we can bring the gospel. And as we share with folks, this is what we do. Because there is a need, we need to be people who start by praying first. And unfortunately, a lot of times in the life of the church, we've depended so much on our own ability that we've stopped praying for God's provision. Listen, we're guilty as pastors sometimes. Listen, we've been doing this a long time. We know what we're doing. But a lot of times we know what we're doing is going to get ourselves in trouble. We've got to pray. In the church... I've always done really well with kids and little old ladies. It's the people in the middle that bug me. But you got the little old ladies on your side, ain't nobody going to touch you. Yeah? Every pastor needs a little old lady with that sweet little bony finger. When I first started Beaver Creek, it was Miss Evie. After this, my first service, now, pastor, I love that message, but. And then there's always a But. Everybody needs somebody like that, that little finger. Say, Pastor, whatever God wants us to do, he's going to do. Last year, we deployed 92 people into the field on disasters from Ohio. Now, let me tell you a secret. The national average of deploying people is 10%. 10% of the people that are in your disaster leave are going to deploy, and the other 90% probably will never go out. That means our average was about 30%. We were three times the national average people deploying out of Ohio. We might be small, but we are mighty. And God's gonna give us the strength that we need to do what we need to do. And we're right there in the mix. The reason for the compassion, they needed someone to lead them. They needed a shepherd, and Jesus ultimately is that shepherd, but they were missing the point. They had the law, but they lost the relationship. And because they didn't have the relationship, they did not understand the spiritual nature of their relationship. And that's what they needed. We look at what needs to be done. We look at the harvest. We look at the attitude that we have. We need to be able to look at humanity with the compassion that Jesus had. And I know it's not easy all the time. We struggle sometimes with the demands that people put on us. It's like no matter what I do, it's not enough. If you have kids, you know what I mean, no matter what you do, it's never enough. Now, grandkids, they can have whatever they want, right? The scripture says, leave an inheritance to your children's children. That means that grandkids are getting it all. Our son brought the girls to the house for the first time uh, some time ago and said, "No, we don't want the kids having too much sugar. (laughs) Bye-bye. I drink sweet tea. Now, and you know it's sweet tea. Now, it's decaf, so I'll give you that. So I gave those girls sweet tea. I had their little cuppy, sippy cups, and we sat on the floor. and We drank Papa's tea. From that time on, they walk in the door. Papa, tea tea. And my son and his wife finally said, okay, whatever. They gave up. But no matter what you do, it's never enough, right? And we feel that way. We feel that way sometimes, the demands of life. We think, God, why don't you just give me a break? God, listen, I don't know that I can handle anymore. People used to say, Pastor, God would never give you more than you can handle, right? I do not agree with that statement, and here's why. If God will never give you more than you can handle, then why do you need Jesus? That, I understand that statement. I understand. I really do. So I'm not trying to harm anybody, Sunday school teacher, any of those kinds of things. But if I could handle it all, why do I need God? I can't handle it all. I can't do it all on my own. We've gotten to that point in our family to where now my mother is older and has some dementia issues, so I'm taking care of her finances now, managing her medications and appointments and those kinds of things. So now taking care, you know, children, taking care of parents, and it's like, I can't handle this. this. This, is. But God gives us the grace to do what we need to do. So we need to be careful. I think we have learned sometimes to rely on our own. Now, we have skills. We have gifts and abilities. Use them. There's no question about that. But don't forget the source of that. God is our source. There are two questions, and we're going to move into something else this morning. It says, how do you see people? How do you see people? Do you see them as just an annoyance? I really, truly have had churches say, we don't want kids in the church. Well, why not? They're loud, they mark on the walls, and they don't give any money. Well, then you might as well close the doors now. Because you won't have a church in 20 years. There's certain people feel like they kind of annoy us. Listen, at one time we annoyed, you might be that person that annoyed people and you just don't know it. We need to stop and say, how does God see this? You'd be surprised how you can see people differently with this compassion. Disaster if we exist to bring help, hope, and healing. To be that compassion arm of what God has gifted us to do to go help. And every single time People ask two questions. Number one, how much are you getting paid to do this? And all the volunteers say, nothing. And they go, you're nuts. Then why are you doing this? I'm glad you asked me that question. And they share the gospel. Everybody involved in disaster relief goes to an evangelism training course and then refresher courses. You're expected to know how to share the gospel. That should be a no-brainer if you're a believer Right? Do you have a story to tell? Yes. If you're saved, you have a story to tell. But we want to tell God's story. And that's what we end up doing. We end up saying, this is why we're here to do this. We're here by the provision that God gives to the local church and through those agencies that he has put in place that we support. We're here because of the gospel. Last year, we had 20 teams in the field, 42 Professions of faith by Ohio Southern Baptist volunteers. Now, to put that in perspective, not trying to be prideful, but just to put that in perspective, in the state of Ohio, 700-ish Southern Baptist churches. That would make us, if those 42 professions of faith were baptisms, we'd be number six in the state out of 700 churches. I'm a little proud of that. I don't want to be braggy about it, but I'm excited about that. To me, it validates that this is why we do what we do. It's for the sake of the gospel. And we go do some things that nobody else. I had a director of missions, took him to mud out in Kentucky in August. It was filthy. It was, I mean, just mud. You came out, you're covered in mud. He stopped and he said, listen, you can't pay me to do this job. But I'll do it for the sake of the gospel. That's why we do what we do. So let's share a little bit more about the things that we have in Disaster Relief and Compassion Ministry. Uh, something that started last year uh, was International Disaster Relief. So Ohio Disaster Relief and Louisiana Disaster Relief, we partnered together. We cover Western Europe for disasters, all of Western Europe. So from Poland, Germany, England, uh, Greece, all those countries, all of Western Europe, we cover, which is a lot of ground to cover. And so, when the war started in Ukraine, you saw in the news just millions of refugees leave. What do the churches do? Here's an example, so you know what these churches feel like. A hundred people show up at the door. Hundred people, ladies, kids. All, I mean, this time of year, we got nowhere to go. Can we live here for a while? That was the question churches had to answer. This church, uh, go to the next, that one. The church in the middle. That church is in Helm, which is down on the Ukrainian border. And they had to answer this question. The guy sitting there is a refugee. What's stacked up behind him? You know, it's are pews out of the sanctuary. You think you guys got traditions? This church is over 200 years old. And they made a decision. They said the people are more important than the pews. It didn't matter if these are pews, chairs. We, we sat in a church service in, uh, outside of Moscow, Russia, a number of years ago, on two-by-sixes on cinder blocks. This little lady was coming to church, and she fell down. I went to help her up, and she yelled at me in Russian, so I just kind of let her go. And the translator said, she said, as long as I have breath, I will get myself to church. I said, yes, ma'am. And I just let her go. You have to make a decision when we do international ministry, but also here, you have to decide what's more important, the people or the pews you're sitting in. Well, they might mess them up. So what? People, you would be shocked. I'm telling you. I've had discussions with my own churches about moving from pews to chairs to give us more flexible space, and they look at me like I'm the devil. My grandma sat in that chair for 42 years. Wonderful. That's awesome. we got to be careful. International missions, so we are helping churches still today. Um, Let me tell you a story. I just got this back two days ago. You're the first to hear it, except for the first service. They were first first. Church in Gdansk, Poland, which is northern Poland, that's where Ohio set up shop to help them work with uh, refugees. They needed a van. And the biggest van you could get in Poland and not have a CDL is a nine-passenger van, $28,000, which is not bad. So four of us, Ohio, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Kentucky, went together, and we all put, put in $7,000 and bought him a van. That $7,000 came from churches in Ohio. We put a word out. Church said, we'll give, we'll give, we'll give, and we got to $7,000, and we bought him a van. He sent us a letter back two days ago, an email, what's been happening There was another ministry he knows of. They they got two vans. So the three vans have now made, since last summer, 22 trips into Ukraine with supplies, blankets, generators. They took Christmas gifts for 1,250 kids into Ukraine. The last shipment of generators and clothes and food they took was to Kharkiv. You see them on the news just... Terrible, they're up on the east. Um, so they're, that's how far they're going. All that was made possible because of the partnerships that we have together. They're sharing the gospel. Those generators were being used on Sunday morning in Ukraine to fire up the church building to have lights, to have a little, a little bit of heat so you could come to church and charge your phone at the generator. They're using it for the sake of the gospel while they're helping people. And they're seeing people saved because of it. Something else, obviously they're hungry. Christians from the seminary in Kiev had gathered together a truck, a trailer, and big pots and pans because they wanted to do like big feeding, like we do feed people. Russia found out about it. They sent a missile and blew it up. So we decided okay, God, how are we going to provide this need? So Alabama Disaster Leaf have had an airlift kitchen, it's a commercial kitchen all in shipping containers. So we shipped it by UPS. $4,000 with the stickers, but we sent it $4,000 UPS into Hungary to North Carolina disaster Warehouse, and then officially no Southern Baptist volunteers and missionaries are in Ukraine. That's the official word for those who are listening to this recording. We pushed that unit through. Uh, hungry, over the border. We're crossing the border just short terms, teaching them how to use this thing. And it's using it now to feed thousands of people at a time. I want you to know, pastors and Christians in Ukraine have decided not to leave for the sake of the gospel. It's not a little inconvenient. Their homes are blown up. Family members are dying. And they say, we will not leave for the sake of the gospel. We are a blessed people. Disaster of relief for international is what we do. That one picture on the right, those are refugees right after they cross the border. And um, there are some stages set up to help them go to the next thing. A lot of them have gone back. And I don't know if I mentioned the first service, but those families in Herkiv were some of the families who stayed at First Baptist Gdansk. And then when they went back into the country, they're expecting another mass exodus out because with winter, they don't have heat. They don't have water. So they expect a lot of refugees to come back out again. So if the need arises again, we will send volunteers back. They help them deal with 100 people who would need to live here. You got to feed them. They need showers. They need to do laundry. They have medical needs. They have all that kind of stuff is what they had to deal with in their church. The next three units that we have are pretty uh, popular. Our chainsaw unit, obviously, it's self-explanatory what it does. We'll go do all kinds of things. Uh, there, But no exception, you must be trained to handle the chainsaw. You can't bring your own equipment. You can only use ours. We provide all of our own equipment, and uh, we've had a chance to do some amazing, amazing things. Uh, picture on the left used to be somebody's uh, mobile home or their RV camper that has a tree cut it in half. This was up in Wooster, Ohio. This last summer, there was a Duratio, which is like 90 mile hour straight winds um, the others were, uh, the other ones were in Goshen, Ohio, the tornado, the three tornadoes that went through Goshen. Uh, we spent several weeks in Goshen helping them as well. Uh, our next one's our flood recovery unit. Um, this one is, uh, most of these pictures, see, I actually do work, I'm on the left. Trailer, the, those two pictures are from Kentucky flooding on August of last year. The top right are from outside of Naples and Bonita Springs, that's the, the one house um, did I tell them about that house yet here in the service? Yeah, I did not. not this. She kept, my wife, man, I, I my preaching is like squirrel. So I just can't. So she has to sit here on my right all the time. And I look at her. She tells me where I'm supposed to be. But this one house, I'll tell you about just real quick in flooding in Bonita Springs. They were on a canal. Little old lady, she said, I'm not leaving. So she wouldn't leave. Uh, the whole neighborhood, six feet of water. So she bounced around in her house in six feet of water, climbed up on a cabinet in the garage. Uh, The next morning, uh, the military came in, and they went house to house. They rescued her. They closed the house up, and nobody went back for 27 days in the Florida heat as the water settled. So we got the work order, and one of the guys on this team is an office finance guy with Nationwide Children's in Columbus. First mud out project. He said, I want a real mud out. I said, okay. So he got that project, and they opened the door. It is covered in black mold. So what had to happen is everything from the ceiling down has to go. She was a hoarder, one whole day just taking everything out, one whole day. And we have to do it by hand. Uh, We don't have heavy equipment yet, but I'm working on uh, raising the money to do that. And the second day was then everything drywall down comes out, all the kitchen cabinets, all the appliances, and believe it or not, in a flood, your refrigerator will float. What's the number one rule about disaster-proof refrigerators? Don't open it. One of our newbies did this in his house, and so we were going to throw him in it and duct tape him inside, so we'd learn his lesson. Uh, nasty. So don't open the refrigerator. And so the second day, all tear out everything. So think about your house, your first floor, flooded with six feet of water. Whatever's there is now gone. It's all trash. Furniture, appliances, kitchen cabinets, flooring, drywall, insulation, everything is gone. The thing you don't think about, if it's salt water, you have to now replace all the outlets, your main electric panel. If it's just fresh water, you can clean them and do, there there are all kinds of things. So we tore everything out. The third day, we power wash it all down, and then we spray it with something called shockwave so it won't mold. And we train you all how to do that. We provide everything because nobody can afford shockwave. It's $100 a gallon to buy that stuff. And uh, when I was clearing stuff out in Naples, we had three or four skids that we had to get out. So I brought some home. I brought home $10,000 worth of shockwave for free because uh, I'm not going to just let it go to waste. I'll take it all day long. Flood recovery. Our next one, this is our feeding unit. We're proud this is our new baby. On the left, it is a commercial mobile kitchen. We meet all county requirements even though we don't have to. Um, it is totally self-contained. It has propane for heat. It has a generator. It has a freshwater tank. It has a, a storage tank for wastewater, um, lights, everything. We have a four-foot griddle top. You know, we got Wendy's beat. Oh, so we got this big old griddle top. We got a stove, commercial refrigerators, freezers, all kinds of stuff. The way we used to have to do it, I was talking to one gentleman earlier about it would take all day to set up the kitchen we used to have. This one, you go somewhere, you stop, you flip a switch, you start cooking. We got this with a $40,000 grant from the North American Mission Board, and the rest we had $19,000 in account. This same unit, now since prices have skyrocketed, is now $74,000. We paid 59000 for it last year. Prices have skyrocketed. Great unit. We're working to um, be involved in other things. So like if Red Cross calls and says, hey, we've got a, an apartment file, 100 people need to eat, we can show up in just a few hours. We already have food stocked on it in our freezer uh, the church it's stored out, put a plug in, so we keep it plugged in all the time. So we can be anywhere in just a few hours and start feeding. Uh, this is, you know, a lot of people are now starting to train on uh, because it's a little bit easier. Next one, we have our chaplains, and I'll wrap this up pretty quick. Our chaplains are trained uh, not just in disaster chaplaincy, but in other um, things that fit our industry. They're highly trained in the work that we do. Uh, so we do have some different requirements for our chaplains. Some other advanced training uh, what we call assessor training, the first ones that go and talk to a homeowner, fill out stuff, what needs to be done, uh, Blue Hat, IMT. You know, so there are other things you can do. Let me just share this with you. Our goal is to train people to do disaster leave, but then to train churches to care for your own communities. So you can say, We're here from First, first Southern Camden, how can we help you? We always work through the local church. When we show up on site somewhere, we have the pastor make us a flyer. This is the church. Hey, we're here on behalf of such, such church. Here's a flyer for their church. If it's an area with multiple Southern Maps of churches, then we'll give flyers, one flyer for several. Uh, it is about working through the local church because we are not being faithful to Scripture if we lead someone to Christ but not have someone there who can disciple them. It's about making disciples and coming to faith in Christ is step one. We always connect people to the local church. So we come to bring help, hope, and healing. And that's what it looks like in a nutshell. If that's something you want to be a part of, I'd be glad to talk to you a little bit more. But um, I think this is a great opportunity that we have to share the gospel, meeting needs, and people shocked that it doesn't cost me anything. We had one lady in um, September 2021 outside of Philadelphia, that hurricane that stayed together and came up through the middle of the country and went and hit New York. And she house driveway, a little bit of a hill, The water and the flood rushed down the hill, so she opened her back door and her front door, so the water went right through the house. But she suffered about eight or nine inches of water in the kitchen. Company shows them and says, okay, we'll help you out, $4,000. Day one, they cut out about 20 feet, about three foot high with a drywall. They tore that out. They pulled the insulation. Oh, we forgot some stuff. We'll be back. They never came back. So we show up two days later and said, what do you need? And we fill out a work order, and we did everything else for her for free. She was so upset about the $4,000. Scammers follow us everywhere, and they'll lie through their teeth. Let me tell you one thing. The emergency managers in the counties and the state have asked me to share with people from time to time. If someone comes to your house and you've had a disaster, say like a tree company says, here, just sign this over to us, and we'll bill your insurance directly. People are doing that. So, what's the problem with that? Insurance ain't gonna cover it. Unless that tree is on your house or on your car or blocking your driveway, most insurances will not cover it. It has to be touching your house. And even that, there's like a $15 deductible. So, the tree company is gonna come back and say, You signed this contract, your insurance won't pay, you owe us now. One example a house in Beaver Creek that five big oaks, it was a $15,000 estimate to drop those trees. Our guys dropped them in two days for free. If they'd have gone with that tree company, they'd have come back and owed them 15 grand to drop those trees. I don't know where your heart is about compassion ministry and how we are to serve others, but you're not here by mistake. You're not in this church by mistake. And God has a plan for you guys. I would encourage all of us, regardless of how long we've been believers, how long cynical we get from time to time, that God still wants us to experience the compassion that Christ had for people because that's what he died for, for people, for humanity. And let's stop being bashful or embarrassed about sharing the gospel. Give them the food first, but then share the gospel with them. You don't, don't be obnoxious about it, you know. But yet, this is the love of Christ we want to share with you. This is why we do what we do. And if they don't show up to church, they don't show up to church. We had an incident from time to time that we would have a, 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 lot, of peop- a lot of people get saved, but then they would go to another church. I was kind of offended at that. God, they're ours. And I got smacked down with that pretty hard. My encouragement today is if you want to be involved in some of the compassion ministry this, Glad to talk to you if you have, say, five or six people that want to train in just food service. We'll train them right here. At the very least, pray for us. Be involved in compassion relief in your own church, compassion ministry, because the need is great. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Let's be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. Let's pray together. Father God, as we come before you this day, you are a good and gracious God. And know, God, that you have put us here today for a reason. So, God, I pray that you would make that known to each of us. Maybe it's just a reminder and a reminder to me as well about what we're here for. We're here for the sake of the gospel. And we all might do it differently. But help us to stay focused. I pray, God, that we would revisit and have the heart of compassion. That we would trust you to meet needs. That we would not look at just our own needs, but at the needs of others. God, we are blessed for a reason. Help us not to miss that. Help us be involved in the church where you plant us. Help us be involved with the burdens that you place on our hearts. I pray, God, for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine who are suffering greatly for the sake of the gospel, and they are choosing to God, protect them. I pray for Artur and his team as they continue to drive in and out of Ukraine. God, bless them. I thank you that we could give them resources they need to continue to send supplies. We pray, God, for a spiritual awakening in Ukraine. And that would funnel out to the other countries, but to ours as well. I pray, Father, we would answer the call. I pray, God, you would help us to step out and to serve. My oh God, I pray that you would hear our prayers. As you pray this morning, I just want to ask, if you at that point to say, I'm not sure that I know Jesus, my Lord and Savior, then you're going to struggle with compassion because that compassion comes through Christ. So I'm going to encourage you today. Today's your day to say, God, forgive me of my sin. I need to trust you today as Lord and Savior. I surrender to you as my God, and today's your day. Maybe you just lost your way a little bit. You've gotten busy in the life of the church maybe you feel overlooked feel like nobody's helping you i'm encourage you just to stop for a minute and just pray get your heart right ask god to give you what you need and then start praying for some help ask god to rise up and i believe he will help us father to see our neighbor the person down the street Maybe somebody we go to school with. God, help us to be faithful. To be the witness that they need to come to faith in Christ. Forgive us, Father, for how we've missed it at times. But this is the day. As we pray this morning, I want to encourage you. If there's a decision you need to make, then today is your day of salvation. Don't wait. I'm going to turn this over to the pastor. Whatever you need to do, now is your time. Pastor,